1: mobile today in East Lansing. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kier Roots 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf. Nittany Line basketball team has fifth-ranked Michigan State tonight at the Breslin Center. Michigan State's been playing well. Penn State's been playing well, so the matchup is intriguing, but of course we all know what is happening here. It's been another interesting day here at Michigan State. John Engler, the former governor of Michigan, who served the state for years, a Republican, is also a Michigan State grad. They named him today as interim president here at Michigan State, and it was not exactly greeted with open arms by everybody here. During the course of the Board of Trustees meeting this morning here, students were able to get into a, a, into the room, and it was not a, a big room, and were able to sit on the table and demand that some of their thoughts be heard. So that happened today, but John Engler was still named the interim president. They're not quite ready to name an interim athletic director, but Greg Iannini, whose son played basketball at Michigan State, uh, is said to be the one that's in line to be the interim athletic director here. But, again, they have not taken that step yet. Then in Eaton County, which is adjacent here to Ingram County, is where they had over the years what was called the Twist Stars camp. Well, Dr. I shouldn't call him Dr. Larry Nasser uh also worked there as well. Well, today there's sentencing taking place there, and fifty-seven more witness impact statements are being made there. So that's the backdrop of all of this. How it happens and plays out at the game tonight, I don't know. Will the students wear teal again tonight? Uh, Will the atmosphere be electric or will it be subdued? Will there, after seeing the protest today with the interim president, is it a possibility that somebody decides to protest tonight? We don't know. But that's all part of the backdrop here that we have uh, going into this game tonight. And, again, our job is going to be here to broadcast the game tonight. That's what we were brought here to do is to broadcast the game it doesn't mean we don't have our priorities straight. We obviously do. I mean, I'm a father with two daughters, a granddaughter, and I cherish them like I cherish all of my children. And when you look at what happened here, these the... Uh, the survivors and the victims here have our complete and absolute support and they also have our complete and absolute admiration and respect because of the incredible courage it has taken to fight through tremendous pain and still face down a monster in a courtroom the way they have done in the last week so they're in our thoughts and prayers only and uh, there are our thoughts and prayers always, and again, uh, that will be part of the backdrop tonight, heading into this game, and then we'll get into the game and talk about that as well. So that that's the situation here. I've only talked to a couple people here so far; they are subdued, uh, to say the least, because obviously, you know, the people I talked to didn't have anything to do with anything here, and it's for them. It's a lot of it is a state of shock. So that's that's where it is right now. But we'll see how it plays out tonight. The protest with students sitting on the table this morning in, at the Board of Trustees meeting here was, without question, a surprise and different. And it was not met, uh, the, the, his announcement as interim president was not met universally here. That's about all I can report on. So that's that's what I know sitting here right now. Andrew Callie and 24-7 Sports, is going to join us today. We're also going to be talking about the NFL draft. Big moves made yesterday with Alex Smith being dealt to the Washington Redskins. What now becomes a Kirk Cousins? Denver's only a six-letter word. You can spell that. Uh, you would think that they've got to be in the thick of this. And do the Cleveland Browns, for example, try to get involved in this? I mean, there's a lot of elements here. Or the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Kevin Kugler and I were talking today about this. Uh, You know, we both felt right away that Denver was the number one choice for the landing spot for Kirk Cousins. There's no doubt that if you're a Redskins fan, Alex Smith is a pros pro at quarterback. He's an absolute pros pro. He's a steady hand And there are certain things that it'll be interesting to see how Jay Gruden decides to use him. Because I've always felt when Alex Smith was allowed to be aggressive, I've always felt he's played well aggressive. Uh, Too often you felt like Alex Smith was reined in and uh, played conservatively on the field. But I think that's just what he was told to do. Let's see what he does now with Washington. It does open up... A can of worms of quarterbacks were Kirk Cousins, what becomes of Case Keenum, what becomes of Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, there's a number of of people along the way that, you know, there's a domino effect as to where people may land in all of this. And that was the big trade. Now, the trade cannot become official until the new NFL year starts, and that's in March sometime. But it's there, they've agreed to it. And that's how it's going to work. Thursday night football. Two big headlines out of Thursday night football is, A, it is around for at least the next five years. And, B, it's going to be Fox that will do all those games. Not all of them, but they'll produce them all. There'll be no split between CBS and NBC. It'll be Fox, 18-game schedule. 11 of them will be on Fox, it'll be simulcast with NFL Network. And there'll be seven others that will be uh, done exclusively on NFL Network, but using Fox personnel. If you're wondering about Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, the initial feel right now is that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will not be doing Thursday Night Football. They're going to stay on Sundays. Uh, Who might do Thursday Night Football? Could be Kevin Burkhart. Could be Gus Johnson as a possibility. But that would mean Gus would want to double up, would have to double up with college football, and I know Gus loves doing college football. So those are the big headlines of the day. I don't know if you have any headlines on your end. Afternoon, sir.
2: Yeah, uh, interesting to get the uh, uh, initial uh, temperature from from you from East Lansing uh, you know, with the uh, the students on the table this morning uh, voicing their opinions and and uh, that that's quite an interesting scenario. Just kind of makes you wonder, you know, heading into tonight's matchup with Penn State and the Breslin Center, you know. <laughs> Emotionally, it's got to come to the point where you got to come up for air and take a little break. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the same vibe is going to be in the gym tonight compared to last Friday night. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to think about that going in. Um, there's just two, so many layers of the onion yeah. that have already been peeled, and there's still more to come.
1: Well, the faculty senate or the faculty—I'm I'm trying to—I want to make sure I've got the terminology right. They weren't exactly a high endorser of John Engler being the interim president here. Right. I mean, I I found all of that to be, as an outsider, a complete outsider, and I'm like, well, it was a name I recognized. I knew he'd been the governor here in Michigan, You know, and, and he was the governor here for a while. I also know he's a Michigan State grad, so they named him as interim president. You're like, oh, okay, well, I've heard of him fine. But then you started getting the reaction of the people here, and it wasn't exactly universally throw the arms around somebody and say, hey, welcome home. It was quite the opposite. And when I hear about students going into protest and then sitting on the table, my first thought was, okay, does that mean that it stays there? Or does it mean that somebody tries to be disruptive on national TV tonight? I don't know. It's something you don't know. Uh, It may be... And and what's the atmosphere like tonight? Uh, Is there a feeling of, okay, we're back to playing basketball. There's a sense of normalcy. Or is it subdued because nobody knows quite what to do, which was, I think, part of it on Friday night uh, with Wisconsin here. And... Uh, you know, will the students wear a teal tonight? I mean, again, there's a lot of unknowns going into tonight. And then, of course, there's a basketball game.
2: And there could be one angle, too. You're you know, just you know, Friday alone just being such a long day, just waiting for Izzo's comments. And uh, Mark D'Antonio having his impromptu news conference before the game last Friday night. So you just wonder, everything that has happened between even Friday night and today, maybe they're just looking for a nice little two-hour break tonight, and they want to energize the place.
1: I would have thought that. And it may still be like that. But when I saw the story this morning about them sitting on the table at the Board of Trustees meeting, I mean, you have to ask the question, was that it? Or uh, now now you're being given a national forum in the arena. Uh, They may bypass that completely and feel like they've made their point and made their statement. Or maybe somebody saying, no, we can make an even bigger point. I, I don't know. Again, there's so much you don't know going into this, uh, which makes it uh, interesting. Uh, Tony Knopp is going to join us on the show next week. Is that right?
2: Next Thursday on the first day of the Olympics. I couldn't have planned that even, even better than ever. I, I couldn't have done that if I tried. <laughs> I could that's you. Yeah. That, that, that's a perfect definition of perfect timing
1: you didn't happen to mention this internally did you
2: oh no not to you know who no no not yet okay no okay. last day of January he's been roaming up and down the hall with the cell phone pressed to his face trying to get stuff done so I just get out of the way and do my deal and so you know <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Dennis Dodd of CBS
1: who's done more to write about the potential transfer rule, is going to join us before the week's out. So we're gonna get Dennis Dodd in the show. Not bad to get uh, Dennis Dodd on the show. That will be that that's a big plus because he has probably written more about the transfer rule and the potential of it than anybody else. Uh, And we'll talk about the proposals on the table. We'll talk about pros for players. We'll talk about cons. And we'll talk about unintended consequences. And just get his general feel for it because uh, very few have a better feel than Dennis Dodd about many different items. We will take a break. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, in Humble's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today. By the way, uh, Leonard Ventente is next Wednesday, the late signing period. And we will find out if there are any more players here to be signed. Uh, I know they've been working it. Uh, and in working it, uh, we'll see if they're able to fill a couple spots here late. Used to be that first Wednesday in February. All right, here they go. Who are they going to sign? There was an air of mystery. Even right to the end, remember, Tori Castro Fields, who I think turned out to be a really good prospect, did not make his decision until Letter of Intent Day in the afternoon last year. It ended up being, uh, he's got I mean length lengthened. The ability to cover, he's hes a really good prospect. Really good. Uh, but that is a week from today. Tonight, basketball, Michigan State. Um, and Penn State here at the Breslin Center. Uh, it's interesting, you go into the, look, Michigan State's got a lot of things basketball-wise going for it. Uh, they've got one of the top players in the country in Miles Bridges who many thought would have been a lottery pick last year and then really surprised everybody, including the people here at Michigan State, by saying, no, I think uh, uh, I'm going to stay for one more year. Wow. Tremendous inside-out basketball player with a really good outside shot, and not only that, is an excellent passer, good rebounder. Nick Ward inside, really good in the post, hard to move off the block. He is very difficult to move off the block. He's left-handed, so he'll go right shoulder at you the entire time. Cassius Winston, you saw the signs that he could be a really good point guard last year. He's become a really good point guard this year. Shoots free throws well. Uh, just a rock-solid player. Uh, Josh Langford, uh Improved over last year, a little bit better shooter, uh, still has his moments of inconsistency and then still has the moments where he can pop in 19 points. And Jaron Jackson, whose dad played at Georgetown and played some of the Wizards in the NBA, has stepped in here and he has played really, really well. The, Michigan State brings something to the table you don't see a lot of these days, but they are a really good shot-blocking team inside. And that's something Penn State's going to have to work around in the game tonight. They're shot blocking. And bench-wise, they're the only team in the country that literally has 155 starts sitting on the bench. They have 155 starts sitting on the bench. Gavin Schilling, Kenny Goins, Tum Tum Nairn. Ben Carter... Interesting. But Penn State's won two in a row, and they played really well in both. All right. Coming up, we'll talk with Andrew Callahan. We're also going to talk about the NFL Draft today, and then we're going to rerun Chris Soleri from earlier in the week in case you missed it. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key 11 and 15 in Hummel's
0: Wharf. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors,
1: 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We're in East Lansing today, where tonight Penn State takes on Michigan State in basketball. Yes, it's been another eventful day here. But the game will be played at 6.30 this evening. This day in sports history and plenty of Denver Broncos stuff today. So on this date in San Diego, they rallied from a 10 nothing, or excuse me, they went up 10 nothing on the Redskins, and the Redskins rallied with 35 second-quarter points. And eventually beat the Broncos 42-10. But then, 10 years later, the Broncos came back on this date, actually 11 years later, and beat the Atlanta Falcons for their second straight Super Bowl win. And John Elway was the MVP. MVP of the Redskins uh, Super Bowl win over the Broncos was Doug Williams. And that is this day in sports history. Alright, let's bring in Andrew Callahan, 24-7 Sports. Andrew, welcome. It's great to have you with us.
2: Actually going to get Andrew on the line here for in a quick second and I'll let you know when I have him.
1: Very nice. Okay. No problem. So we'll get that set up in one second here. Oh, now we got tonight, yeah, There he is. Well, there we go. Miles Bridges, Jared Jackson, Cassius Winston, and company. Uh, and uh, let's uh, bring in Andrew Callahan. Andrew, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thank you. How's Michigan? interesting uh it's been another interesting day here today with uh john engler being named the interim president with having students sit on the table in the boardroom and being d- demanded to be heard and larry is going through another sentencing hearing in the uh, adjoining county here for the twist stars there's 57 witness impact statements being made there today so it's another interesting day here very interesting mm. Okay, so let's uh, get to the basketball part Since last we talked, Penn State's won back-to-back games And Josh Reeves is back in the lineup When you watch the tape, Andrew, and also watch them in person What is Reeves bringing to the table that allows everybody else to, to do their job at a higher rate?
3: I think there's just a sense of urgency and confidence, in and I think that mode in Tony Carr. You know, there's no denying that when you look at the Ohio State game, Penn State shooting the best it ever has in program history from three-point range helped them in such a way during that game to stay ahead for most of it and, of course, win. But you saw Tony Carr. I mean, he, he, that was the best I think he's ever been in the Penn State unit that carries over to Rutgers where he's always playing at that pace, but because you have someone who can take on the other top option defensively and then again is out there looking to run in transition and you can trust out there with you. You know, that just does everything for a point guard where he doesn't have to feel, he has to do everything. Um and then that spreads to the rest of the team. He's a junior guy, he's been a glue guy for a while, now he's in more of a leadership role and and you've seen that the last two games.
1: On the road here, in pure road games, not neutral games, pure road games, Lamar Stevens is averaging 17 points, like 17.3 points a game, and 49% from the field. Let's talk a little bit about Lamar Stevens' game. I know a couple games of late, not, not too standard you expect, but what do you think of his game right now?
3: You know, I think it's difficult to tell, too, because, of course, he had the hand injury a couple of weeks ago that he was dealing with. I think, you know, the game itself hasn't transformed so much. He's just learning, you know, when to pick his spots, per se. Early on in the season, it it was a lot of threes. He peeled back on that. You saw his scoring average goes up as he starts to live more in the mid-range. And he'll get out in transition, of course. I mean, he's going to be a physical mismatch for most of the teams that Penn State will face. It's not going to be the case tonight. But I think he's just kind of finding his way and his role within this team, which, again, hasn't so much changed but he's just doing it more consistently. And you see the defensive end, too. It's not only just him scoring points, um, but limiting other options that, that teams will pose either at the four or the three. Um, and, and I think that really has a, a great value to State's defense. Obviously, Michigan
1: State's a great rebounding team. Uh, they took on Rutgers. Penn State gave up two offensive Rebounds of the game one of which went Out of bounds Uh, What did you think of Penn State's rebounding Effort and why was Penn State so effective On the glass against Rutgers
3: yeah, I mean, Mike Watkins was just simply dominant. I mean, you look at him and you figured he'd probably have a good game because Rutgers is one of the worst shooting teams in the country, which is going to lend itself to more rebounds. And specifically, you know, on the offensive end, I mean, that was such a difference from what we had seen, you know, even against Ohio State and against Northwestern, right? But I think it was just him asserting himself. We talked about his footwork before here in these spots on Wednesdays, um, but, but it was him. It's also the return of Reeves, who was their second leading rebounder uh, times during the season, and if not third. So it's a combination of those factors that really turned that around. And, and like you said, you know Michigan State's going to be just as, uh, as big of a challenge as they've seen yet this season in that respect. So they're going to need more from Mike and more from Josh here tonight.
1: Yeah, one of the differences that you're going to see tonight is that Michigan State is one of the few teams that brings legit shot blockers to the table i mean that's so on that's one of the thing first things i look at andrew when i'm looking at a game because i know what penn state can do inside does a team have legitimate shot blockers and michigan state's got three legitimate shot blockers so what
3: about that factor tonight It's humongous. I mean, they're, you know, I'm looking at their Ken Palm page right now, as I do every week, just to get prepared for any sort of game. They're blocking shots on 20.5% of all opponents' possessions. That's absurd. That's, you know, one out of every five possessions, you might as well just kind of toss it up and let it come back down or go out of bounds. So, so Penn State's got to be obviously very wary of that. The thing about it is I think their best shot tonight, like Ohio State a week ago, is going to be to own the arc on both ends. I mean, Michigan State's a very good three-point shooting team, so you've got to limit it there. But if, if you're not going to be that willing to pound it in the paint as you could afford to against Rutgers, you've got to survive in the outside. And Michigan State's defense, you know, right behind they don't steal the ball a whole lot. Um, no. But there are, you know, they're not that great defending the three. And, again, that's relative because they're so good at everything else. But with respect to their other skills, that's a spot I think Penn State will want to attack. So not only do you be able to attack their weakness, but you avoid that strength in the middle. So I think it kind of lends itself to a better game plan for Penn State. Really their only option here tonight if they want to win.
1: Yeah, that was one of the interesting items about Sunday's game between Maryland and Michigan State. Because Michigan State only averages four and a half steals a game. That really, in college basketball, is a relatively low number. Uh, But in the second half of the game against Maryland, they got live ball turnovers, So that rarity, I think, helped turn that game around. Plus, they shot the lights out as well. When you look at Miles Bridges. Many thought he'd go to the NBA last year. He did not. He stayed. What kind of product are we seeing in Miles Bridges right now?
3: I mean, he basically does everything. I think the easiest comparison to draw, and it's unfair in certain respects, would be to Lamar Stevens, right, just the body type, what he does for that team. And he's got a game at a higher level in a number of different areas. But he and Lamar have experience playing against each other, not only last year but before, so there's some mirroring effect there. But he'll knock it down from three second-leading rebounder. He packs all of that into a 6-8 frame that's difficult to guard because he'll also handle the ball. So he's going to be a surefire lottery pick. It was supposedly going to be last year, but he said, you know what? I'm just enjoying college. That money's always going to be there. And he comes back. So, you know, there are so many mismatches on that team, but if you're looking at one guy where you go, listen, he's just going to get his, and we just have to accept that, it's Miles Bridges.
1: And the other part, too, is he's a really good passer. I mean, he can be really effective in a game and not score a lot of points because of how well he passes.
3: Right, and that's saying something when you got Cassius Winston, who's leading the Big Ten in assists, right, with 6.9 assists per game. So between the two of them, it's not always just knowing that Winston's going to distribute, but but Miles Bridges is, is capable and willing to give it right back.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because the the other part, too, is in close games. And they don't get into do a lot of close games because they're really good. But their free throw shooting is outstanding. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. you know, that's the odd part between Michigan and Michigan State. Now I know Michigan beat them. Michigan just flat out out-tuffed them. I mean, they actually were just much tougher that day than Michigan State. But Xavier Simpson's not a good free-throw shooter. Cassius Winston is. I think he's missed one in the last four games. I mean, I think Purdue's the best team, but in some ways, is this the most complete team?
3: I think so. You know, that well-roundedness. You know, I, I talked about the three-point defense being a weakness. They're still top 100 in the country. So it's all, it's all entirely relative when you talk about a top-five team you know, for the polls are a top 10 team in offensive and defensive efficiency. And you talked about the free throw shooting. You know, it was number one of the big 10, the guy we were just talking about miles Bridges. So it goes across the board where there's no real chink in the armor, but you just have to find the softest spot, wherever that might be attack. it, And then again, hope you get an equally all around effort from your own squad.
1: And then there's Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson is, is the freshman Mm -hmm. that steps in. May not be the leading scorer, but he's got 75 blocks. When you've watched him play, how difficult a handle is he on each end of the floor?
3: No, I mean, we just talked about Bridges as being a a surefire lottery pick. I think you could throw him into that discussion, too, and it's because of his length. He's 6'11". He can move. He's got good awareness, that I think you would see more like a junior or senior out there on the floor, and it's it's surprising because, again, you just mentioned the blocks, but when you watch their last couple of games, it seems like opponents are still surprised by that length and his wingspan. That's not only able to affect shots, but just really get a hand on them and actually block them, so it's something that, you know, might take five, ten minutes for each team to get used to, but even still, you'll see in the second half him getting his hands on balls anchoring that defense which allows his other players to extend a little bit and it's really just this wonderful safety net for them that ties it all together
1: speaking of safety what kind of luxury is it to have 155 career starts coming
3: off your bench (laughs) one that I think a lot of coaches in Division 1 would absolutely love to have it's amazing
1: Michigan State's bench has 155 career starts yeah, that's that's stunning. Uh, news and notes of the week: uh, Purdue continues to roll on. Uh, your thoughts on that team, and how anxious are
3: you to finally get a chance to see them? I'm uh, very anxious. I mean, we we talked about them before and I continue to watch them when I get a chance and it's just that inside-out combination. You know, we talked about Isaac Cos and obviously the three-point shooting. I think they're the most dangerous team. Michigan gave them a good shot on the chin um, at home at Mackey, but obviously wasn't able to pull that one out and we talked about Michigan State being well-rounded. I think Purdue's got a higher ceiling and the fact he's hitting that almost on a nightly basis is, is really scary. there had been a team historically that kind of flops early in the NCAA tournament. I would be You know, just floored for this year mismatch that Haas poses, and again the three point shooting the outside. If that happened here again, they seem like uh, destined to go at least to the Sweet 16, if not Elite Eight. Um, Again, at Penn State because they're playing on the road, you know I think it's you don't really put your hopes up there if you're a fan. If you had them at home, maybe you'd want to see how you match up. But that's a team that you know absolutely deserves to be where it's where it is, and that's top three in the country.
1: National talk about top three. How about Virginia? Have you had a chance to really watch
3: Virginia play? You know, I know Virginia's also suffered from uh, some of that affliction that Purdue has in the NCAA tournament getting knocked down maybe second or third round, and that's because I pick them to go to the Final Four every year because <laughs> I fall in love yeah. with that pack-line defense. But no one does that pack-line defense better than them, and I, and I get to watch much of their game against Duke, which started uh, 2 o'clock the other week, and then that led into Penn State's game of four against Rutgers. And it's just so impressive. Not only that was on the road, but it was against the kind of talent that Duke has, which everyone knows, lies far more in the offensive end than it does defensively. So for them to put on that performance, you know, wasn't... It was surprising to a degree because they hadn't Duke, I think it was about twenty years or so. But it, but it also wasn't because they've been doing that to every. That's greater consistency, which is of course what you want as a coach. That all said, I, I can't say like I just did for Purdue. I'd be shocked if they lose in the second round. It just seems to happen to that team. Um, but, but they're they're so impressive. They're playing in a great league, and you know it's just really a credit to that coaching staff because they're not a team like a Duke or a Kentucky where you're bringing these kids and, and they're all one and done.
1: Well, the biggest the biggest negative they're going to have in the tournament, they cannot, in my opinion, afford to fall behind. They are the equivalent of the running team that when they get the lead, to, to catch them is really hard. But if you get the lead on them, they don't have enough firepower to overcome it.
3: Sure. Yeah, and I think that's the troubles that they've had, right? Which can strike at any time. I mean, every team has a, has a poor shooting night here or there, and then you've got to find other ways to affect the game, which they can do. But you know, if you're facing another solid defensive team and you happen to strike one of those one of those nights, you, you might be you know out of luck, and that's all that it takes to, to get out of the tournament. Uh, I think I think that's a solid description of a good rushing team with a quarterback who who might be kind of a game manager.
1: Andrew, it's always a pleasure. Appreciate the time very much. Hey, not a problem, Steve. We'll see you next week. Andrew Callahan, 24-7 sports, previewing tonight's game. We're going to talk about the NFL draft in the next half hour. Chris Solari, Detroit Free Press in the final half hour. Then coming up, uh, Dennis Dodd is going to be on the show before the week is out. Tony Knopp is on next week as well. And don't forget about the after show, an extensive preview of the IndyCar season. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us here at East Lansing today. tonight Penn State plays Michigan State in basketball, so it just turns out that by scheduling, that's why we're here today. And We told you about the Michigan State students this morning venting their anger at the Board of Trustees meeting here uh, over the frustration that they feel over the selection of John Engler as the interim president of the university, the former Michigan governor. And the students not only got in there to the meeting, it was not a big room, by the way, not a big room at all, but they not only got in there, but then they got up and sat on the table and started venting their frustration about the process that brought the interim president president to the front. And uh, Engler, by the way, did accept the board's nomination, so he is now uh, going to be the interim president. And he also stressed that he is an interim. He is a Michigan State grad, was the Republican governor of the state, I believe, for eight years. Uh, he was the uh, governor of the state. And uh, they're now on the path to getting an interim athletic director. It looks like the deputy athletic director is going to be the one that who's been running things uh, as they try to hang in. Uh, We'll probably get that job as well So, I mean, the quiet, I mean, you have to be prepared for everything I don't think anything is going to happen tonight at the game I don't think so But you do have to prepare for the possibility in the job that I do That, hey, look, is it a possibility that some of that spills over And they decide to do something at the game? They might, I don't know uh, But it's also something you have to be ready for, too uh, faculty liaison Laura McCabe read a joint statement from faculty leaders echoing the students' frustration with the process. So it wasn't just students, it was the uh, faculty here. Well, uh, Engler, by the way, is the governor for 12 years in the state. I think I said eight, but it was 12 years.
2: So... Um, it makes you wonder if some there were surprised that uh, uh that an interim position was filled so quickly by the Board of Trustees. But uh, you figure there's no president and uh there's no A D and they want to try to get some assemblance and some, you know, you know, calmness in place so they can continue to try to move forward.
1: Well, you can't you know, to be honest with you, a situation like this, it's tough that your football coach and your basketball coach are the two that have you know, now Izzo's had to do it because they've been playing games. Antonio felt he had to do it because he, he felt he had to address it, allegations. But there has to be somebody else in the hierarchy that, you know, gets up front. Now, many have talked about the lack of transparency here. And we'll, you know, and, uh, Chris Solerio, and we'll replay that for you in the final half hour today. He's worked for a year on the football part of this. And he's had a lot of walls thrown up at him along the way. Now there is one report here that they say the number of Larry Nasser uh, victims could be as high as 269. Uh, and the prosecutors made that statement. Now again there was 57 more impact statements than they I don't think they're all being done today, obviously uh, in uh, Eaton County. and this is part of Twist stars. So, again, I don't know what we're going to see in terms of atmosphere. Will people be into it in loud? Distinct possibility. Is it going to be subdued with moments of excitement? Could be. Or does anger seep in? I don't know. Find out when we get there. And other than saying hi, a lot of people really don't want to talk. Hi, how you doing? I'm okay. It's the way it's been here so far today.
0: You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.